Radio Verulam. The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution. And welcome to The Parent Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. I am Cathy Weston and I am not alone tonight. I am being joined by the most fabulous lineup of young people who are here with me in the studio, along with our engineer, Dave Neal. And this show this evening is all about children's aspirations and their dreams and all the things they want to achieve. And we're going to be introducing them all um, in, in, in order. So I'm going to start with this young gentleman over here. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sebi and I'm 10 and I go to Aldebury. So you are Sebi and you're 10 and now we've got... Hello, my name is Evie. I am 10 and I go to Beecher Park. Lovely. Welcome to the studio, Evie. Hello. Hi, my name is Freya and I'm 13 and I'm from Harpenden. I go to Sedan Law School. Lovely. And last but by no means least... Um, my name's Isabel, I'm 10 and I go to Wooden School. So we've got Isabel, Freya, Evie and Sebby. Now guys, this show is all about aspirations and a little bit later on we're going to be speaking to Ger Grouse, OBE if you don't mind, who's the Global Director of Kidzania in London, which I'm sure you've all heard about, and also Professor Lucinda Platt, who works at London School of Economics. And we're going to be talking about all about children's aspirations and dreams and goals and how you guys come up with dreams. So we're going to start with Sebi. I'd like to ask you, Sebi, you know, what is it that you feel like you'd like to do when you grow up? Uh, Probably run a motoring company. A motoring company. Wow. And how did you come up with that idea? Uh, Because I like motors and I like speed and I like power and I like beauty. So you like all of those things and cars just brings it all together, does it? Yeah. Lovely. And have you got a role model? Uh, yes, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, oh my goodness. Evie, tell us about what your goals and dreams are. Um, I would like to be a three-day eventer. A three-day eventer? And what does that mean? It's a horse rider who competes in shows and... Yeah, different shows and competitions. And you've actually brought something along to the studio tonight. And I think it's the first time we've ever had one in the studio. What is it, Evie? I brought my lucky horseshoe. Your lucky horseshoe? Well, let's hope it brings us lots of luck. Uh, Freya, welcome to the studio. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, So when I'm older, I'd like to be a musician. A musician? Mm -hmm. And what type of musician? Um... Preferably a singer. A singer. Well, we're definitely going to ask Freya to sing for us, aren't we, everybody? And Isabel, tell us about your big dreams. Um, I'd like to be a teacher. Yes. Because when I was a little bit younger, it used to be because I wanted to use the smart boards. Yeah. Yeah, they looked like fun, did they? Yeah, but now it's more like... I like learning and I'd like to help people, other people learn, I guess. Lovely. So we've got a potential teacher in the studio and a horse. What is that word, Evie? A horse three-day eventer. 
very good. And Freya wants to be a singer and Sebi wants to run his own motor company. Well, that's all very exciting. And you guys, who who is it that helps you think about these dreams and nurture? Who supports you to nurture your dreams, Isabel? Um, well, last year I had a teacher who was really, really good and he made all the lessons fun and everyone enjoyed it. Lovely. And that kind of made me want to be a teacher a bit more so that I could teach people in a fun way. So he yeah. sort of inspired yeah. you, did he? What about you, Freya? Um, I'd say probably my mum um, because she's always supported me along the way. Yeah, so and mum is outside in the studio listening, which is fabulous. She'll be very flattered to hear that. Evie, tell us, who is in the show jumping world and inspires you? Um, my riding teacher inspires me and she t gives me tips on how to ride better. So she's always trying to help you improve, yeah? yeah? She always helps me improve. And is there anyone else that you look up to, maybe in the world of you know, books and other literature on becoming a great horsewoman? Um, I look up to Pippa Funnel. Pippa Funnel, and tell us about her. She is an author and she writes a series of books called Tilly's Ponytails and she also competes in shows and competitions. And Pippa Funnel, so not only is she a horse rider, um, Evie, but she's also an author. Is that something that you would like to do as well? Um, yes, probably, because my English teacher, Mr Coke, really inspires me and with my creativity and stories and writing. Lovely. Well done. So it sounds like they're doing a great job at Beechwood there, inspiring Evie. Sebby. You mentioned Elon Musk. What is it about him that you just think you could look up to? Uh, probably his thinking and the way. Probably his thinking and the way he acts. The way he acts. Tell us about what is it is about the way he acts. Uh, like his smart decisions, but there are occasionally decisions that can end in disaster. That no, that's true. Tell us why you say that. <laughs> because the borders of Tesla have decided to kick him off from uh, the CEO. So basically he started his own company and you're saying now they're trying to get rid of him? Yeah, because he's not doing a great job. And how, do, how are you going to avoid that happening to you when you're running your own car oh, company? trying to gain popularity. So trying to be popular, mm. yeah, and not follow his... You're not going to follow all of his, no, <laughs> his routes to that. And do you think Tesla cars are good or do you think they could be improved? Uh, I think they're good and I think there is space for improvement, but they're pretty good right now. Very good. Okay. Well, that's very nice. And Isabel, is there a particular topic that you would like to teach? Um, I like English and sentence writing and stories and things like that. And I think that would be fun to teach. Lovely. And do you think there's anything that would prevent you guys from realising your dreams? What do you think are the barriers to realising your dreams? Sebi? Uh, probably money, the amount I need, I can have to make this a dream. Yeah, so you might need some investment. Yeah, okay, Evie, what's, what might prevent you um, from realising your dreams? Well, recently in the summer, a horse bolted me and I fell quite hard on my back. And if that happens on a bigger horse, I could hurt myself quite badly and be unable to compete. I have to say, Evie, you're very, very brave. What's the biggest horse you've ever ridden? Um, 17.3 hands. 
Wow, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very scary. We're all making, <laughs> yeah, we can just, we're all moving our hands up, up and up and up and up. It looks very tall. And how do you conquer your fears? I just get on a ride. I don't really think about what the horse could do. I just hope that it will be good for me. Well done. Amazing. Very inspirational. Freya, do you ever get afraid of being on stage when you're doing your singing? Uh, yes, I do quite a bit. <laughs> do you? A little bit of stage fright? Yeah. Now, before we move on to Ger Grouse and his chat, yeah. let's hear a little tune from you. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> go on, sing us a tune. Well, sometimes I go out by myself and I look across the water. And I think of all the things what you're doing And in my head I paint a picture Since I come on home and my body's been a mess And I miss your ginger hair and the way you like to dress Won't you come on over, stop making a fool out of me why don't you come on over, Valerie? Wow, everybody, round of applause. I'm sure everybody at home is thinking, oh my goodness, what an amazing voice. Thank you so much. And it's not easy doing it live on the radio, is it? But you did it. And if anything, if Evie's story to go, is, is one to go by, we all have to be putting ourselves out of our comfort zones and trying new things, don't we? So we're hoping now to be joined on the phone by Ger Grouse from Kidzania. Uh, are you there, Ger? I'm here, Cathy. Well, it's very nice of you to join us this evening. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And we, I think we've got, before I start my questions with you, I think some of the children here, Isabel in particular, has actually recently been to Kidzania. Wow. And uh, she was very impressed, weren't you, Isabel? Yeah. Uh, what would you like to ask her? Um, what was it that you really enjoyed about Kidzania? Uh, when I did the Al Jazeera TV broadcasting, because I was the eyewitness on the fire at Hotel Flamingo and it was really fun. So you were actually a reporter for the day? Yeah. That's amazing. And for people listening who've never heard of Kidzania, Ger, tell us all about it. Wow, Cathy, where do you want me to start? I um, know, it's hard to describe if you haven't been there, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, um, it's about... Uh, it's in London, Westfield, the UK one. There are, there are 24... Kidzania is globally in 19 countries and there are further 16 under under development, including the States and South Africa, France, etc. Uh, the one in London is, is, is in Westfield, Shepherd's Bush, and um, it's, it's the size of Leicester Square, the height of Terminal 5. It's a city for kids uh, where they can try out their world of work. And the best part about it is that grown-ups are there to be seen and not hurt. So, as we just heard, there can be <laughs> news reporters, there can be pilots, they can work in the theatre, in a the newspaper, in a hospital, estate agents, radio presenters, you name it. And Isabel, I know you went to university in Kidzania. What was that like? It was really fun because you had to pay, but you still got, you learn about different like subjects. I learned about medicine and then you take a quiz on their little laptops and you have to, if you get like most of them right and you pass, 
you get your degree in the picture <laughs> and then whenever you go to somewhere like the dentist or you work at A&E or baby care you get extra kidsos which are like the money and then yeah because you're qualified it sounds terribly exciting is there an adult section of kids of of kidsania where we can go and try out all these jobs no no sadly not and um isabel's just mentioned that she tried out going to university doing some medicine um uh, but uh, girl tell us what is it that generally boys and girls what are their favorite jobs at kidsania when they go that's that's a hard call, Cathy, simply because um, I suppose their favourites are, uh, are the things that you can gravitate towards. So, you know, children can, can only aspire to what they know exists. So if your menu of experiences has been wide already, then your favourite might well lie in the operating theatre or, or the aeroplane. If, if you are perhaps slightly younger or have had slightly fewer experiences in your life, you might begin with, I don't know, whatever you're familiar with, the supermarket, the courier service, the garage. Uh, one of the most popular ones globally, however, is the courier service. And, and when we research and ask children why that might be, uh, the answer lies in that sphere that um, it has the highest level of independence and the least contact with a grown-up. So I think I understand <laughs> understand where they're coming from on that one so they just get on with it yeah. in the career service yeah. at Kidzania they don't want any interference that's the one and um, Gary I wanted to ask you some of the children were asking me about the equipment at Kidzania it is true isn't it that a lot of your equipment is is absolutely the, the real stuff it's the stuff that people use in their real life jobs in in uh, yes yes and no the answer is so so in for example in the maternity unit and in the hospital, which is in partnership in, in London, in partnership with All Day Children's Hospital, all the equipment is real. Uh, and and that, that's part of the partnership. In other cases, and most of the city is constructed to two-thirds size, so everything's child size. And, and the amazing thing is there, for example, that the Formula E car, uh, which is there in partnership with Renault, uh, that Formula E car is actually is an exact but two-thirds replica of a Formula Eager. So one way or the other, the authenticity is incredibly important, but so is to model it to to the size of the children, if you wish. That's right. So they can just, it's all there at their yeah. level, their yeah. size. Is it true that you can put out a real fire at Kidzania? You you can put out a fire at Kidzania. You, you are trained as a firefighter <laughs> and then you go on a fire engine and you put out a real in inverted commas fire wow that's isn't that amazing did you do that isabel no so you were too busy at university weren't yeah. you yeah sebi have you got any questions about the car feature at kidzania because mm. you were quite interested in that yeah. um is the car a muscle car is the car a what sorry a muscle car what's a muscle car sebi it's like um a ford mustang or like a really beefy car that looks solid like it a are you you're referring to the Formula E car? Yes. Uh, so so what essentially what the activity is about is to to learn the difference between a combustion engine and, and an electric engine, which mm. which is a very important thing uh, as it is, particularly if you think about the news stories around uh, around the planet and and and, and its state. Mm. Uh, and then with Renault, because Renault is 
or certainly was at the time, the sole supplier of, uh, of electric engines for Formula E. Um, and they provided, therefore, they built the car two-thirds size. And uh, so it, is it a real car? No, it isn't. Is it a, a two-thirds replica that is spot on in that sense? Yes, it is. And we did have um, Alan Prost and his son uh, in Catania at the time uh, of the launch. So mm-hmm. it, it got as real as possible. That's amazing. Isn't that interesting, oh. Sevi? Would you like to go? Mm, I've just got one more question. Oh, you've got one more question. Off you go. What does OBE stand for? <laughs> so we're referring, Ger, uh, Sebi here would like to ask you what your OBE stands for after your name. I think that's a brilliant question. That's a very good question. It's it's an order of the British Empire. So I, I was awarded the OBE by Her Majesty the Queen for services to children. Although, of course, it could also stand for Obi-Wan Kenobi if you wanted it to. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it's, it's the first one, really. Well, do you know what, girl? We're all aspiring to be OBE, so congratulations to Thank you. That's you. amazing. Thank now, you. I want to ask you about something that I read in an article you wrote yeah. about some of the... Um, very interesting work that you've done in terms of what's called futures awareness so can you tell us a little bit about what that is and and because it's not just play at Kitsania you also do research and you also make people aware in other ways of the careers that children can aspire to yeah I I think there's 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 a couple of pointers there first and foremost is what what there's a relationship between what children learn at school or children are taught at school and what they can learn at Kidzania. And quite often, it is about um, putting theory into practice. So, for example, you learn to write, uh, you do English writing at school, and at Kidzania, you can produce the front page of the Metro newspaper, for example. Yeah? So, so it's, it's the purpose bit. Um, and, of course, we then have lots of children come through the doors globally, and we were very curious to find out what the state of the nation is, in a sense, what are the aspirations of the children of today? And so we literally sampled, um, if you wish, about half a million children across the world, and we looked at what their first activities were. And then we looked at how old they were, whether they were boys or girls, whether there were ethnicity uh, issues in there, and whether they, the socioeconomic backgrounds played a part. And, if, and effectively, we found a number of things. So, for example... All stereotypes are set at the age of four. So if you go into the aeroplane, 85% uh, pilot activity, 85% boys, cabin crew activity, 80% girls. Wow. Mm -hmm. The second thing we found was that there's very little change between, despite government efforts uh, in terms of STEM, there's very little change between four and 14-year-olds. Right. Thirdly, almost all girls choose activities below the age range, and almost all boys choose activities above the age range. And then finally, children can only aspire to what they know exists, which links to their menu of experiences and, if you wish, probably their socioeconomic background. So, so we've got a pen portrait of children. And this is a global and pen portrait, and we will continue that research globally, this global barometer of children's aspirations. And... Um, and the issue for me is this, that if all these stereotypes are set at the age of four, why in educational terms do we wait for another 10 years 
before we start engaging with children about their future careers. Absolutely, which, which is often happening at 15, yeah. 16, when actually you're saying it's yeah. in the early years yeah. we should be t setting yeah. the tone. And absolutely, and, and I was talking to a group of, uh, of head teachers and school leaders in Sheffield today and, and talking about that very thing, and everybody's in agreement that why should we not engage with the world of work um, at a much, much earlier age? Why should we not develop with partnerships for that to happen with schools? You, we could work with Young Enterprise. There are all sorts of brilliant organizations who can help with this. And Kidzania is one of the contributors, one of the pieces of the jigsaw that can make that happen in partnership with schools. And it does two things. One is it engages the children with their futures, gets them to think about it. This is not about commitment. This is about broadening their horizons. Yeah. And also, it adds purpose to why do you go to school. So to me, futures awareness is complete common sense. So if schools are listening, how do they work with Kidzania or how could they potentially? Well, one, one of the things that, that I've undertaken globally is to say, uh, that that we should come, we should arrive at a point very soon, where no activity in Kidzania has not been touched by a school in terms of its composition and its delivery, and schools should get in touch with us wherever in the world they are, because I've just been told that people are listening to this in Mexico. Hello, Mexico, um, and uh, and they should get in touch directly with their Kidzania and have the dialogue and have the discussions. And if schools with 12, 13, 14-year-olds want careers weeks and want to meet actual pilots and actual um, uh, journalists and doctors, etc., we can organize those kind of events. The education of children is a partnership activity. And as, as I'm reminded by one of my favorite head teachers, is that every child is everyone's responsibility. So... Time to roll up our sleeves and do this together. And Kidzania can be a, a hub yes. for, it's not just, it's not a place to just go and play. You're talking about no. it can be literally a place of, 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 of where partnership working can actually, yes. you know, come and, together. And, and with that, Cassie, and it, it, it kind of, part of this discussion makes me, makes me always makes me a little bit sad because I get asked the question hundreds of times, is Kidzania fun or is it educational? And, and I never understand why it is either or. Yeah, when we arrive at the point where it's both, we've educationally arrived. We're delivering something that makes sense, that is joyful, that leads to really good learning. And that's where we want to be. That's right. And it's just a, a, you want the, all of those factors. That's what learning should be. And, and children sh are, are, are naturally seeking out inspiration, aren't they? Yeah, and children are curious. And, and what we do sometimes you know, in terms of the planning and the politics of the thing, we plan curiosity out of the curriculum to be taught. I think that's shameful. And that's been certainly in, in the narrative for, for many years now. Teachers have been saying it, parents have been saying it, that, you know, and with the sort of the cuts and funding in education, it's becoming and seems to be increasingly difficult to, to fund the sorts of activities that you might suggest are, are needed. I think it's not just a matter of funding is important, right? There's no, there's no walking away from this. But I think there's a mindset thing, yeah? And, and I would urge the politicians to, um, to engage more meaningfully and listen to the experts. Yeah? I can't think of a single politician who would start to tell people how to perform an operation. Yeah, yeah. yeah? Why, 
why do they think that they can ignore the advice of people who are really quite good at what they do and who know their children very, very well? Absolutely. And, and Ger, from the perspective of parents, there are lots of parents listening who, who, who are desperate to inspire their children and give them access to a range of opportunities. Um, what would you say to them as a parent yourself? What's the sort of best advice that you can give them? First and foremost, you know, do everything to make sure that, 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 that tomorrow for your children is better than today. However, small steps. Engage with your children. We've got this odd thing in our society whereby we buy children screens to put them in their rooms so that they're away from us to our convenience, and then we end up complaining that they spent too much screen time. Uh, it, it, the thing doesn't make any sense. It's about interaction. It's about a quality relationship. And it's not about how much we spend, but it's about how much we do and how much we engage with our children. Be aspirational with your children. Take them places, and they don't always have to cost a fortune. You know, going to a museum, a gallery, which is free, engages a dialogue, engages about learning. There are thousands of other places like that that you can seek out. But don't just sit there. Do something. Ger, nationally, do you think we have a problem with aspiration? Because sometimes it's synonymous with pushy parenting. What's your sort of view on that? I think we've got... Um, a, yeah, do we have a problem with aspiration? I think we probably do, because we are not present... I think there's an issue here where we don't trust our children enough. We need to enable our children and put them in a situation whereby they can write their own narrative of the possible, rather than us either not being interested or pushing them in the direction that we would want them to go. In the end, children will need to make up their own minds as to their likes and dislikes and their longings and their aspirations. And we need to facilitate that using the environments that are available for this. I do sometimes also think that we're in the, at a point in our society whereby we seemingly abdicate responsibility and let the school deal with it. When the topic gets a bit hard going, it gets passed on to the school. That starts from the politicians, and I think many of us grown-ups then follow suit. And, and the thing about careers advice and guidance, it's a big talk topic but as you say it's often left for the the, the latter years of yeah. secondary when it's very very late and what do you think generally about the quality of career guidance that children are given in in school settings i think it's um it's fair to say and, and that is not a comment on people's effort but I'm, i think it's fair to say that it's probably of limited and variable uh, quality and and it's a, it's a simple thing, isn't it? That in most cases, the people who are teaching careers education have been to school as a child, as a as a grown up to big school called university, and then they've returned to school as a teacher. But so uh, my advice would be that schools and teachers are brilliant project managers, and that they need to look to become facilitators of partnership work whereby as many of the queries and curiosities of children can be fulfilled. Lovely. And just to conclude our interview, Gar, two things. Sebi would like to ask a question. What would you like to ask him, Sebi? 
Who is the richest man in Kidzania? And do you mean who's made the most money? Most yeah. kids owes? <laughs> yeah, who, who has the highest net worth? Who has the highest net worth, Gar, in Kidzania? In, in Kidzos or in dollars? Ooh, in Kidzos. In Kidzos, that's a very interesting question. And first and foremost, I can't quite give you the answer <laughs> by name, but I, I can tell you a little story about this. And, and it's very interesting how attitudes in each country differ. Yeah? yeah. So in England, in London, children on, uh, on average leave with more money than they come in with. Wow. So you come in with 50 kidzos, and the average is that children leave with more kidzos than they come in with. Great. That varies across the world. But the country, I think it's fair to say from my memory, where, where the culture of saving most money exists is in Japan. Almost every child that goes to Kizane in Japan has a bank account and has savings in that bank account and, of course, accrues interest in that bank account. That's fascinating. So, yeah. But what I will do, I promise you, I'm going to try and find out the name. I'll, I'll, I'll contact my colleagues at HQ in Mexico and I'll find out the name <laughs> as to the kids richest person. Sebi, I have a sneaking suspicion you want to beat whatever the record is. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I can read it off your <laughs> face. And last question about um, Evie here. Her daddy's listening from Abu Dhabi. Is there a Kidzania in Abu Dhabi? There is not yet a Kidzania in Abu Dhabi, although we are due to open during 2019 in partnership with a Kidzania in Dubai. So the answer is hold your horses for a little while and we're there. Lovely. Well, listen, Ger, thank you so much. Uh, very, very briefly, I, you were very, very generous in, uh, to offer some tickets to Kidzania for listeners, whoever would like to enter a competition. So we are going to set a competition at the end of the show. So thank you so much for that. Pleasure. And uh, all the very best. Ger, Grice, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. for joining Bye-bye. us. Bye-bye. There we go. So, well, guys, what do you think of that? Who wants to go to Kidzania? I really want to go. Sebi, tell us what you think. I think it would be a wonderful place for education and fun. It's Yeah, exactly. Education and fun. As Gur says, they can just be... What about you, Evie? They can be things that you could do together. I think it sounds like it's got some great opportunities. We didn't ask him if there was a horse there that you could ride. (laughs) Isn't that right? What about you, Freya? Um, yeah, I'd say it sounds quite good for younger children. Yeah, I think it's actually up to the age of 14, which okay. is really interesting. I've been yeah. there and it's absolutely fascinating. I'm interested in doing it, but the parents are kept well away, I promise you. <laughs> what about you, Isabel? You've just been, so... Um, it was really, really fun and I learned a lot about all the different jobs I did. And Yeah, Yeah, and did you change your mind? you still want to be a teacher after Kidzania? Mm-hmm. For a while, I wanted to go into baby care because it was yeah. one of my favourite activities. But then, kind of switched back. You switched back. That's okay. The thing is about you guys is you can have lots of different careers because life's so long. You could just switch careers. You could run your car factory, Sebi, and Evie will be running her stables and her, her three-day eventing. And then you might switch careers. That's absolutely fine, isn't it? 
So uh, we're going to have a little tiny break and then we're going to speak to uh, Professor Lucinda Platt, who has a very prominent position, I must say, in the London School of Economics. And hopefully we'll be learning even more about our children's career aspirations. The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. And welcome back to The Parents Show. I'm Cathy Weston and we're talking about our children's aspirations. You know, as parents, of course, we want them to, you know, aim high and try and do as well as they possibly can. But sometimes it doesn't seem to be that easy. Like, where do we take them to inspire them? They're in school all day. How do they get access to people in different occupations? Often, as Ger says, they just they just aspire to what they know. So it's just a, what's familiar to them and who's around them. But someone who's expert on this particular topic um, is Professor Lucinda Platt, who's Professor of Social Policy and Sociology. Isn't that a lovely job title? In the Department of Social Policy at LSE. And her research and teaching focuses on ethnic and gender inequalities. uh, And she also works on migration and disability. Uh, Welcome to the show, Professor. Thank you very much and good evening. Well, it's lovely to have you. Thank you so much. All these children in the studio with me are very, they've got questions for you later on. So hopefully that'll be okay, Great. Professor Platt. Of course, um, yes. We've been talking to Ger Grouse, who um, is the Global Director of Education at Kidzania, about you know the opportunities that children have when they visit Kidzania and all the interesting cultural differences that he sees in Kidzania's across the world. But you've actually done some research, haven't you? and Professor Platt on aspirations in Britain and and what the sort of landscape looks like for children across gender and ethnicity. That's right, yes. Um, I've uh, used um, a nationally representative uh, sample where I've looked at um, uh, over 6,000 boys and over 6,000 girls across the UK who were surveyed in a survey called the Millennium Cohort Study. Um, which have been following up to a large sample of children since they were babies. And uh, these, uh, these boys and girls were asked what they wanted to be when they grew, grew, up, grew up, and they were asked at, um, when they were seven, and they were asked again when they were 11, and they were asked again when they were age 14. So with my colleague Sam Parsons, we could look at what sort of choices they were making um, and how they changed over time as well. And we also looked at how they differed by ethnic group among these boys and girls. And what were your main findings so, uh, well, so, so in, in past research um, I've, I've looked at, it shows that boys and girls' job choices tend to be quite different and highly gendered, and I think you're, um, in your previous discussion that was coming out as well. That's right, So I yes. wanted to sa- find out if this was still the case, because we know that the, the, um, the world of work has changed quite a lot, and so are girls and boys changing um, their aspirations um, in response to that. Um, and I found that uh, girls and boys were still making very different choices. They were both tending to aspire high, aim high, so they were aiming to good jobs on average. Um, there was quite a lot of variation. Um, but in terms of if you, you know, the, the, the value of the job, the, the amount of pay you get in those sorts of occupations, they were aiming high. But the boys were still aiming to jobs um, dominated by men, and the girls were still aiming to jobs predominantly dominated by women. So in and some, case, so, even though girls were more likely to um, expect to go to university. 
So the girls were, were there were very high aspirations all round, which is very good news, but they're still yeah. highly gendered. There hasn't been much change in that. Uh, let's think about that for a second. You know, I think a lot of parents have tried very hard. Certainly my generation parents have tried very hard with, with girls to absolutely um, expose them to so many different opportunities and, and never put them in a box and buy them clothes that aren't always pink and all the rest of it. Yeah. Why have these patterns been so difficult to shift? It is, it, is, it is one of those big conundrums, I think. I mean, I suppose it's, in part, there's been a sort of emphasis on, on aiming high and, and aspirations, but I think there's also the issue about the full range of opportunities. Um, and, and the other issue is that it's not just about girls, it's about boys as well. Um, and as, until, um, until boys start changing their uh, preferences and aspirations, until world yes. work looks different um, in terms of the composition of, of men in jobs as well as the composition of women, then it's going to be really hard for, um, you know, if we, for, if girls, there's been a lot of emphasis on girls moving into STEM subjects, but perhaps we should be thinking much more about, okay, how do we make the caring professions more appealing to boys? So I think, think that, that's, one, that's one side of the, of the puzzle that perhaps hasn't been so much attended to, and maybe, um, maybe we need parents, parents of boys to be to be to be doing just as much as parents of girls. Absolutely, and I think you know uh, they are. It's it's. I think people who are in these different professions are so busy doing their job. Children don't often have access to them, so it's quite difficult to be inspired. Oh uh, yes, yes. I think it is. I mean, it, what what people see and what they're exposed to, it's quite. It's probably going to be quite quite limited, and um, and also uh, uh, I think uh, children pick up all sorts of signals around them. Some some earlier research I, I did show that uh, they respond as much to what what they what they see around them in terms of what their parents do, uh, as as well as what their parents say um, their opportunities are, or what sort of. Um, uh, or, or in terms of equality between men and women. So, so maybe looking at who does the housework, um, how chores are divided at home, um, could, be, could, be, could be one area um, which might, um, um, might have some influence. So, so parents could, could, could potentially be mindful of, of the behaviours and expectations that perhaps they're modelling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and maybe just sort of, yeah, just think about that a little bit more deeply and... And maybe yes. I mean, I think we we uh, um, we all tend to make assumptions about who does what around the house, and uh, um, and maybe there's there's just just some of that could uh, if, if some change in that might uh, might also make children recognise that um, there aren't there aren't boys' roles and girls' roles. There aren't men's roles and women's roles. Well, happily, um, I've been working very hard on that. So I've got two <laughs> boys, and my husband does all the ironing. What do you think well, of that, Professor Well, that's Platt? perfect then. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been doing my bit. I've been doing yes. my bit. And tell us about the um, the different the jobs that you mentioned that for, that boys aspire to. Sebi in the studio, he wants to run his own car factory, which sounds yeah. amazing. Yes, sounds wonderful. What what on the whole are they still aspiring to be footballers? And yes, a lot of, a lot of boys are aspiring to be professional sportsmen. Um, uh, other things that uh, quite a lot want to be are engineers, accountants. Um, uh, software developers, um, so uh, so an interesting range of jobs, but um, uh, but we don't see them aspiring to the sorts of so much the sports jobs that girls are aspiring to, which are more uh, like being um, uh, uh, in the caring professions, being doctors, being nurses, being teachers, 
Um, that's right. That's what Isabel was just t- telling us she wants to do. So she was saying she's interested in the caring profession, being a teacher, etc. That's right, yes. Um, yes. Equally, uh, we've got a young lady, Freya, in the studio who wants to be a musician. Is that right, Freya? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And she's got a lovely voice. She was singing earlier. Is that common in her age group to aspire to be a singer? Um, well, we've got these... Uh, this, 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 um, they're slightly aggregated categories because there's such a variation of things that girls and boys are saying. So we've got quite a lot of lot, quite a lot of girls wanting to be this category actor performer. So I think yes. that goes quite well in there. Yes, as well. Freya's nodding. That's yeah. right. She wants to be an actor performer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that that fits with the. <laughs> and of course, as you know, these these are these are great jobs. There's not, there's there's um, uh, nothing wrong with any of these jobs, but it's just how much uh, um, how much it then reproduces. Uh, for the future, um, the expectations about what boys and what girls can do. That's right. Um, and, and you've and done maybe, a lot of work. the ones who would like to do something a bit different. Yes, and you've done lots of work um, across ethnic groups. You, yes. you can tell us quite a lot about the different career aspirations across groups. Can you share some of your main findings that came out of the Millennium Cohort Study? Yes, well, I think, I mean, we know a lot less about um, choices across ethnic groups. Um, so uh, this was sort of quite look, looking almost for the first time what what are uh, children of different ethnic groups saying they want to be when they grew up. Um, and there has been some discussion uh, in particular about um, do South Asian girls sort of prioritise family um, mm. and concerns and, and are black boys lacking in aspiration. And so it was really interesting when I looked at this to find that actually um, uh, children, both boys and girls from minority groups, were tending to um, be more ambitious in their occupational aspirations uh, than um, white majority girls and boys. Uh, so this was true for, for, for Indian, Pakistani and Bangladeshi girls and um, black African girls, for example, and it was true for um, uh, black boys and Pakistani boys as well compared to white boys. So I thought that was, that was quite an interesting finding because... Um, if you're thinking about what they're seeing around them, um, um, we know that, um, again, there's a lot of variation and some minority groups are doing really well, but there's quite a lot of minority groups whose families will be relatively less affluent, um, but their children are still picking up these high aspirations from somewhere. So maybe there's something more to be learned there. And it's quite a positive story. You know, our yes. children are highly aspirational. It's what happens next that, that really matters, how these aspirations are lessening over time and what the factors are that in shaping that. Yes, so I think, I mean, uh, I looking at it, the, the, um, there is a lot of stability in, in aspirations, and I think your previous discussion was talking about that. Um, but perhaps slightly, as a slightly more positive story as well, um, we find that um, uh, boys do tend to um, adjust their aspirations over time. They're tending to um, slightly, uh, slightly inclined towards jobs with more women and, and girls are tending to increase their aspirations over time and slightly inclined to jobs with more, um, with more men or with fewer women. And so there is a little bit of change over this age period from 17 to 14. Um, so it's not all fixed in stone. So again, that's, that's, that, that's a bit of a positive story, but I suppose, again, it's how can we, um, we capitalise on that and make sure that, that children are, are, are appreciating and becoming aware of just the full range of ad- options, whether these are graduate jobs or whether they're not graduate jobs. Now, Freya in the studio was very impressed that you're a professor and she right. wanted to ask you 
a little bit about your role as a professor because that was quite inspiring for you, for you to hear, wasn't it, Freya? Yes, it was. And what would you like to ask? Um, how did you get to become a professor? Oh, well, I didn't get to become a professor by a very direct route. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, um, uh, I started off, um, uh, I did go to university, and after that I was a social worker for a while. Um, and then I was doing, also doing some t- teaching while I was a social worker, um, and I really liked the teaching. Um, so I went into, I then um, I got a PhD, I got a doctorate, um, and I went into, um, uh, into research um, in, order, in order really to also teach. Um, and after that, uh, I, um, I, just, I just got promoted from being from being a lecturer so I went through the through the different grades um, until I got to professor and actually I became a professor through um, running um, when I when I was um, appointed to run this big study of children this millennium cohort study um, back in 2011 I took it over then and that's when I became a professor so it sounds like doesn't it Freya that she's had so many different jobs within that and and lots of and just followed your your interests and it's a lot about what opportunities and what things come up. Yes. Yeah, so, so I never had a I never had a plan. Um, I never thought I was going to become a professor. Uh, I just um, uh, I, I I wasn't quite sure what I what I wanted to do. And then I thought, well, I like I, social work appealed, and I liked doing community work. And then I thought, well, teaching appeals. Um, once I'd started doing it, so I wanted to do more of it. So yes, I, it was following it was following the signals as they came along. Now, Evie in the studio, who's 10, she loves horses. She loves them so much, she's even brought a horseshoe into the studio. And I believe, I've heard, there's even a professor of equestrian studies, Evie, in the UK. So you could be a professor of anything, isn't that right, Professor Plutt? Ah, I hadn't heard of the professor of equestrian studies. That's, that's great, though. Yes, there are a lot of there are a lot of different sorts of professors, and some of them are very yeah very practical. They've spent a long time doing um, doing jobs outside um, outside universities, and then they then they get um, uh, recognised for that through becoming professors. So equally, uh, so, yes, Sebi has of, discovered there's it. a professor of Lego at Cambridge. I'm sure you're aware of that, um, <laughs> which is sounds terribly exciting, doesn't it, Sebi? Yeah, Yeah, I think that would suit you. And just moving on to, I want to ask you about social mobility. Yeah. There'll be a lot of people listening who, you know, we've heard it so much in the press about these barriers to social mobility. You know, the Sutton Trust CEO, Lee Major, has just written a major book on the barriers, the enemies of social mobility. And again, it's quite a depressing read for me because I just think, you know, how is anything going to shift? Because everyone seems to be, if you believe what's in that book, everyone's sort of, you know, looking after their own interests and, you know, wealthy, affluent families, their children are keep doing brilliantly and the divide seems to just remain consistent or get bigger between children of, in, in different social classes. What do you think about what he has suggested are the enemies of social mobility, such as, I've got a list here, opportunity hoarders, people who cheat the admission system to get into schools, uh, you know, the, those privately educated children. Or, you know, what do you think needs to change in our nation to really boost social mobility? Uh, well, again, there is, I mean, there is a lot of mobility. There's just, but there's just, there are the, also these systematic patterns. And yeah. And at, and at certain points, it seems very hard to get beyond yes. a particular level, depending on your background. So, so I don't. I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that there is a, there a lot of people 
do have options and opportunities, but they are just um, influenced by, by background. I think what, um, what, what, what's, what this is pointing out, which I think is important, is that um, maybe, maybe previously we've thought about it as being what's holding people from less affluent backgrounds back, and now it's being focused on, okay, what is it about those with more affluent backgrounds who are um, making sure their, their, their children do well, and that comes at the expense of others. So I think this is a quite useful way of turning it round, because it, it, it's then not about, okay, um, pe- pe- um, people from less affluent backgrounds need to aspire more. They need to stay in education more. It's okay. How do we how do we con- constrain the people who, fairly enough, I mean, like most parents, they don't want their children to do any worse than they're doing, um, and that means they've got to do um, very well if if their parents are doing very well. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so so I think a lot of the, I mean I think there are ways that we can there are small things that can be done that can limit that i mean we can tackling the private education system is quite a big thing but it's one it's one to consider uh there are there are ways that people get um uh involved and it get it get sorts of work work experience that helps them like unpaid internships um which are of course only available to those who can afford to do unpaid internships yes yes um, and there are and there are and there are also simple things sim- relatively simple things like having really robust um uh, appointment processes where you have to look outside people where you have to um uh, be very uh very careful about how people are yeah. meeting criteria yes. and those sorts of things um have been shown to have some some effect um in terms of being people who get appointed it's a bit fairer yeah. um, and they've also been shown to to have some effect when we if you're looking at sort of um, ethnic inequalities in the labor market if you have standardized application procedures you get there's much less scope for um, ethnic inequalities to emerge well listen it's been such an honor to have you on our parents show this well, evening it's been Professor really nice talking Platt. To you. and everyone's very inspired all these lovely children sitting in front of me hearing from you and thank you so much for joining us hopefully we'll have you back on the parents show again Lovely to talk to you. And, Thank you. Uh, yes. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Right, guys. What do you think of that? Who'd like to be a professor at LSE or have an OBE? Isn't that be exciting? Yeah. What do you think, yeah. Sebby? Probably the OBE. <clears throat> you think OBE. I think, Sebby, yeah. tell us your whole name with OBE at the end. Sebby Rodriguez OBE. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? What about you, Evie? You'd like to be a professor of equestrian studies. I could see you, L. Evie Rains, doing that. Yes. What about you, Isabel? Um, I'm not sure, but you still sticking to your guns. You still think you might have a career ahead of you in education. Maybe. Yeah, you can always change your mind, can't you? But back to instead of putting on a song, I thought let's have Freya back finishing off that fabulous tune and we can all join in this time what do you think you'd like to sing this time have you got anything up, um, up your sleeve Freya Eye of the Tiger Sebby fancies a bit of Eye of the Tiger <laughs> what do you think Freya maybe yeah okay well whatever's your favourite give us off you go you've got um, a couple of minutes another Amy Winehouse yeah, maybe. <laughs> we like Amy Winehouse, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Over to okay. you. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, you'll know, no, no. I ain't got the time 
But if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they try to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Come on, Sebby, join in, please. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Rather be at home with Ray. <laughs> I ain't got 17 days I'm not gonna spend 10 weeks Have everyone think I'm on the men It's not just my pride did you be do? Did keep going, keep going. We want to do the chorus again. It's just till these tears have dried. They try to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Why am I the only one doing the chorus? Do you know what? We should just make this like a singing karaoke show. Let's have a karaoke show one weekend. It'd be amazing. Freya, you're so talented. Thank you. Are you, do you enjoy singing on the radio? Um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's good yeah. fun, isn't it? So do you know what, guys and girls? We're going to have another chat in a second with someone called Jessica Antelope Hill. And do you know what she does? Seppi, what do you think she does? Circus. How did you possibly guess? She runs Show Kids Circus. Isn't that amazing? So children like you can go along and learn to perform circus skills. So um, I don't know, is she on the phone? She is on the phone. So we'll welcome her to the show. And Sebby and Evie, I'm going to let you conduct this interview. So make sure the mics are nice and close and we can welcome Jessica to the show. Off you go, Sebby. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Sebby. Okay. Mm, yep. Yep. Off you go, yeah. Sebby. Have you got nice questions for Jessica? Uh, yes. Uh, is it is it easy dealing with the kids? That's <laughs> oh, a funny question. I love dealing with kids. I find it very easy. And everyone at circus school always wants to be there and has loads of fun. So they're very easy to deal with. And tell us a little bit about what you actually do with the children in your lovely uh, show kids circus. So we teach them how to do aerial hoop and silks. Um, we will have seen them in The Greatest Showman. Uh, wow. We also teach tightrope, acrobatics, acrobalance, and things like hula hoop, poi, stilt walking, roller bowler, lots of different skills that you can learn. Evie, what do you think about that? Doesn't it sound amazing? It does sound pretty cool. Have you got a question for Jessica? Um, uh, what made you open up your circus school? Well, Evie, I have been a professional circus performer for over 10 years and I absolutely love it. And I just thought that every, all of the children in Harpenden should get a chance to learn all of the skills because <laughs> it's so fun and um, then they can join the circus too. Evie, what do you think? You actually live in Harpenden. There's no excuses I, to not go to circus school. I think it sounds pretty cool. It to sounds do. so yeah. good. <laughs> and tell us how we can actually apply and go to your circus school. So just look on our website, showkidscircus.co.uk, and send me an email just to harpenden at showkidscircus.co.uk and let me know what days you'd like to come. You can come for the whole week or you can just come for a couple of days and then we can get you enrolled from there. And uh, has anyone have any other questions for Jessica yeah. before I... Yes, Sebby, off you go. Is hand-eye coordination a big thing in uh, circus? 
Uh, it is something that you like will help you with your juggling and ploy, um, but you don't need it for things like um, aerial hoop and silk. But also, you kind of train it at the same time, so you you learn very good hand-eye coordination without even really realising it, and that in turn helps your brain, which makes you better at maths. The scientific Ooh, circus skills know, and right? maths. Amazing. How cool is that? Amazing. You're getting better at maths without even realising because you're learning how to juggle. Right, so Evie, cool. we've got another one from you. Off you go. Do the children you teach pick up the skills easily and quickly? Some of the children pick up things super quickly. So some of the children can climb right to the top of the silks on their very first go. <gasps> and some of the children can walk all the way across the hall on stilts without anybody holding them on their first go, but they might not be as, as good at uh, acrobatics or they might not be as good at juggling. So everybody picks up different skills at different speeds and everybody always seems to be good at one thing and not so good at the other thing, but that's okay because we all work on everything. And can 44-year-olds come along and learn to Absolutely. do the tightrope? <laughs> we are actually starting an adult class after the October half term on a Wednesday. Right, you have to make me come to that. What time yes. is it at? It'll be 7 till 8, Ramal Park School. Right, I'm going to be the worst in the class, but I'm going to no, push through. No, that's the whole point. It's just for fun. I've got high it. aspirations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. You are from Showkids Circus in Harpenden. We don't have any more time for any questions. Thank you so much, Jessica, and good luck. Thank you. Thank well you for done. Good me. luck with half term classes. Thank you so much. Thank so, guys, you. thank you so much for joining us. We've got one minute left on the show. Is there anybody you want to say hello to, Sebi? Uh, I'd like to say hello to my friend Henry. And I've got one more question. Um,. Uh, I quick, quick. I forgot. So, hello, Henry. Very good. Evie, who do you want to say hello to? Um, I'd like to say hello to my mum and dad. Yeah, and where's your daddy? In Abu Dhabi. Hooray! Hello, daddy in Abu Dhabi. Freya? Um, I'd like to say hi to my nan in Kimpton. <laughs> nan in Kimpton with 20 seconds left. Isabel? Um, if they're still listening, which isn't... Of course they are. Who's that? Edie. Yeah, Edie. Yeah, lovely. And I'm going to say thank you to Professor Platt, Gergreis, OBE, Julie in the studio and Dave Neal for helping me present tonight. It's been my pleasure. This is The Parent Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. See you next week. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution.